Spider-Man. Spider All right, so we were supposed Spider to see Spider-Man. So we were supposed to sing that in a minor key, uh -huh. but we all just sang it off key instead. <laughs> That's the key I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, welcome back to Homo Superior. I'm Kalen. I'm Ryan. I'm Brent. We are, wait, KRB. BRK. I tried to come BRK. BKR. B. Because uh, when all of us are here, we're Brack. Brack. Yeah, but now we're Brook. Brook. Yeah. Because Adam like and Clark are, are not going to be able to be with us today. Or ever. Yeah. We kill them. Bye. Speaking of death. Oh my god, I knew you were going to do that. That was terrible. Gosh, perfect transition. Oh god. <laughs> R.I.P. Steve Ditko. Yeah. That's why uh, we sang the off-key uh, Spider-Man theme, which is what he would have wanted. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steve Ditko, co-creator of Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and a lot of other characters. Mm -hmm. uh, famous objectivist and Ayn Rand cultist. Black. Uh, well, I know we have to go into that. As a libertarian, I'm mostly, I'm more annoyed than you guys are at that. <laughs> I, I'm annoyed. I'm, I love that you're annoyed by it. I, it makes me laugh just so the much. fucking worst. Well, uh, Steve Ditko, on a serious note, he passed away when he, uh, he was 90. Uh, no cause of death has been reported yet. Heroin. Uh, or it could just be old age because he's um, 90. Oh, but then why do they just say he died of old age? But they don't know yet. Race car driving. Sure. Auto erotic yeah. <laughs> asphyxiation. Honestly, for Fucking some of the old, for some yeah. of the old comic book writers, like the Wonder Woman creator, yeah. that was definitely a thing. Oh, sure. Because he was kinky as fuck. Yeah. He drew some Spider-Man comics that were like really... Wonder uh, Woman comics, you mean? No, no, no. He, he guest wrote, he guest drew on some Spider-Man comics because the guy who was uh, drawing Spider-Man was coming behind on deadlines. You mean Steve Ditko? It wasn't, I don't think it was Steve Ditko at the time. <laughs> I think it was like... Full a, circle. It's a, it's a copy editor or whatever. It's like really? Somebody, That's somebody super was just interesting. Like supposed to just produce art. Uh, they were like, they were unpaid people usually. Um, That's a little bit of trivia I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. So okay. he gets. So there's a couple of good for you, Brent. There are a couple of Spider-Man comics where he's like bound to spider webs, uh, and he's like real and like like strategically like ripped. Uh, his shirt is ripped. You see one nipple. I don't remember if there was if there was the time when they were like doing a lot of ripped clothing, but yeah. he was definitely bound uh, in a way that was very erotic. Into it. Yeah. God uh, damn it! I miss those times. Yeah. So Steve Ditko uh, was he was a uh, a founder of the modern day Marvel comics. He was the Artist and co-plotter for uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, one would say he co-created him. Like Jack Kirby originally drew the first iteration of Spider-Man, yeah. and uh, Stan Lee was like too bulky. I need somebody a little bit more lithe and slim and svelte. Twinkie, and Twinkie, even yeah. yeah. Uh, and we already have our thick superheroes. And actually, do you remember the <laughs> scene from uh, Homecoming, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, when he is trapped under all of the? The rocks and the stuff, rocks and he looks in the gravel. reflection and he sees the mask, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was actually taken from a comic, one of the most famous comics that Steve Ditko ever drew. It was an, a full, almost a full issue of Spider-Man, like, trying to get from under a bunch of rubble and, like, machinery. Mm. And it's um, it, it's just, he was so inspirational. And then he co-created Doctor Strange. Uh, so all the weird, like, mystical, like, trippy shit that you saw in the 60s. And was he the one that was making the cameos on both buses in those movies? Mm. No, no, it wasn't because uh, Stan Lee just fucking <laughs> credit for shit. You yeah. fucking asshole. Yeah, he did. Oh, but, I'm the asshole. But you yeah. know, the funny, unlike no, unlike Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko was like, I want nothing to do with this. Oh, he just okay. he just like went on. So he he went to go create a bunch of characters for a comic company called Charles the Charlton Charlton Comics, 
and they were just dancing superheroes. Yeah, basically the Charlton Chew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they uh, were a separate line in the '60s, and DC Comics bought them up in the '80s, and so they ended up becoming adopted into the DC universe. But the Are there any big characters from that? Sure. Uh, it, one's called a question. One was the Blue Beetle. Uh, oh, Blue Beetle. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the Peacemaker. Isn't that the Tick? Captain Adam. <laughs> no. But you might more know them better as Rorschach, the comedian, oh. Ozymandias, um, uh, Night Owl, Silk Spectre. Because Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, who did Watchmen, uh, they were originally going to use the Charlton characters, and then DC said. We don't want you using our property in something this dark and this, you know, adult. So they ended up creating like pastiches of the characters and in some ways became more famous than what they were based on. So what you're saying is that Alan Moore's a hack who stole characters from other people. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Sure. You heard it here first. Kalen Batia says Alan Moore is a thief. I agree. Hate Alan Moore, he says. I just, not mine. <laughs> I think it's more of like Steve Ditko has been there for every major event of our lives, and we never knew. You yeah. know what I mean? I know. He was always there. He's always that weird uncle. Making us dance. Yeah. Dance puppets dance. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Batman. He's like Batman. So, R.I.P. Steve Ditko. We hardly oh, knew you. Yeah. Uh, there some very nice tribute comics for him. Yeah. yeah. One of Spider-Man sitting on his grave. Um which sounds worse mm. uh, when you say it out loud. It's better the one than that was peeing on the yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> That looks like Calvin. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. The sequel is coming out uh, next year, and the subtitle is Far From Home. Ooh. And was, there, was there another subtitle that was rumored? Uh, Field Trip. Field Trip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's uh, been reported that there is J.B. Smoove, who is a famous actor and comedian, who uh, is on Curb Your Enthusiasm, among other things that you know better than me, Brian. Oh, no, he's just a phenomenal comedian. He was on um, a parody <laughs> show with Kevin Hart called The Real House Husbands of Beverly Hills. Yes, and it oh, is yeah. good. It was, it's it's good. very funny because yeah. it does a very good job parodying what's kind of a, becoming a little bit more stale and rote yeah. of a show. But yeah. he's also done, he just does a bunch of like web stuff as well. He's a very. If like, you don't know him, look him up because you'll probably recognize him from I, I will fondly remember him from Pootie Tang. Uh, oh movie. yeah, great oh, fucking movie. Is it? But, but a lot of I it, it. In, in the comedy community, he has like a very good reputation because he's like you know he's getting that upper upper level of fame now, yeah. and he's just a really nice guy, and he's still very humble, and so he's like a he, lot of people love him. He's one of those guys that like is just when you just look at him, you just start laughing because he's immediately funny. He's like yes. a funny, funny person. So he's going he's yeah. going to be cast in Spider Man Far From Home, uh, but unnamed. Uh, who he, uh, we don't know who he's going to be, but he's going to play a major role. So oh. I wonder if he's going to be a villain of, uh, uh, or like part of like the Sinister Six or something. Or, It'd I don't be know. so great to have like uh, a, a villain within the Marvel universe that leans towards the comedic way. That'd yeah. be so nice. Like, yeah, yeah. And he's he has the chops to do it because he's done tons of acting stuff already. Um, but I mean, would he be like Mysterio? Was like no, what's, no, what's, no. A, what's a hero that's like fun, or a villain that's funny? Um. Oh. Actually, a lot oh. of Spider-Man villains can be funny because they're some of them are just so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. but that's uh, more blundering. He would be like a little bit more commenty. Maybe if they redid Mysteria, Mysteria. Well, I so uh, what's it? Jake Gyllenhaal is supposed to be Mysterio. Oh, He's yeah, supposed to be true. the big bad. That's in right. It. That's right. So, and I'm just you know. Uh, guessing that he's going to be a villain. He could yeah. very well no, just be, be like anything. another... Maybe like, he's like a detective or something or... Yeah. Maybe he's Jessica Drew. 
And then oh, yeah. oh, what a twist! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was Jessica Drew the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and it's just JB Smooth sitting in classrooms. That all, is a secret. I'm agent. all about colorblind casting. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Finally, um, another white guy that uh, takes a woman's role. <laughs> well, we've well, got he's black. Another, uh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> another um, black actor being included in a major movie franchise. Billy D. Williams is coming back to reprise his role Woo! in Episode Nine. Of Star Wars, yeah. um, we all might also get Carrie Russell. She's the lead in the Americans, correct? Yeah. And she is a gem. She, she is uh, national treasure. She is a national treasure. Her hair is a national treasure. Yes, it cascades. It's per- it's, it's like she has like a perfect drag wig. Yeah, all the time. It, her hair has to be fake. Hundred percent. It's so good that she worked with J.J. Abrams way back in the day uh, for Felicity, and mm-hmm. in the first season she had this beautiful hair, and they cut her hair in the second season, and the show went to shit. Uh, you remember that? It's hair that no, I never watched show. Felicity. Felicity. I know I looked the type, so but what, I never watched it. So yeah. what, Samson rules apply to her hair? Basically, yeah. <laughs> the show, the first season was really good, and the second season went to shit, and because she cut her hair. Yeah. Is it specious reasoning? Maybe, but I believe it. Totally. Um, and other news about episode nine, J.J. Abrams was interviewed saying he was not going to play this one safe. Um, which is that's good, good to know because he clearly played a new hope. Yeah. Uh, say not Force even, not even oh, sorry. the fact that you <laughs> even called. No. Excuse me. I think you hit it right on. I think head. it was a, by that point it was an old hope. Yeah, um, maybe a Bob hope. I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that had no that hope. joke. That died joke with had him. no hope. <laughs> Wait, is Bob Hope dead? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, is Bob Hope dead? Dot com. Yeah. Check it out. It's our newest <laughs> website. Um, so he, he, I do kind of like that he is bookending this trilogy yeah. because I would like to see, because I think, I think he did like Ryan Johnson's interpretation, Very even if, so. yeah, even if it, it didn't like, um, I'm just glad it's not Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow? Trevorrow? Sure. Yeah. Uh, he did the like Jurassic World, which I was not fond of. Oh, God. Uh, I don't care. Okay, new one. I didn't really need to see Ray running around in a pair of heels. Yeah, no. that's what Dis- I mean. Di- uh, disagree. Disagree. Um, that's a. Do heels exist in the Star Wars universe? I can't yes. think. Really? Sure. What I'm sure Queen Amidala was wearing them at some point. Did she? Yeah. Uh, how could I you mean, tell? No, that was Jar 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 With her long dresses, how could you tell? I mean, Darth Vader actually wore heels. He uh, just did it for yeah. <laughs> He just like was covered with a cape. Um. So not. I don't know. You guys, everything else on that? I. Uh, I wonder if because Carrie Fisher was supposed to play such a big role um, in this movie, but obviously she won't um, now because they're not going to do any CGI or any stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, Billy is going to be brought in to sort of fill that legacy role that we were needing. That's a really interesting idea. Right. I never, I didn't think about that, but that's that's actually a really interesting old, idea. Old friend of the family, really close with Han, could probably yeah. give. Uh, more to the to relationship. Ray. Yeah. yeah, like Ray was being mentored by each of the original three. Yeah. You know, Han Solo and becoming a pilot, um, Luke to becoming a Jedi, supposed to be Leia to become a leader. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, actually, um, for Ben, for, um, what's his name? Old Ben? No, young Ben. Obi-Wan? No, 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 no. No, no, he's, he's, he's talking about Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, because he knew his father really well, yeah. and he knew Darth Vader, yeah. and he knew the dangers of the Force and being corrupted and, and falling into a system that's negative. So I wonder if he could have something helpful. Probably not, I guess, because you would want the... I don't know. I yeah. feel like they could be interesting. Yeah. I, don't know. I think it's just kind of neat they're bringing him back. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so in TV news, uh, Flatsy Walker uh, from, <laughs> from uh, uh, Jessica Jones is, you know, she was revealed to be Hellraiser. <laughs> the fire cat uh, who has uh, foot Clark foot, isn't here right now but he like I can just sense that something is wrong so that there's a disturbance she has a, a foot phone fetish um, and she's now magically got superpowers from a stupid scientific technique God. that was supposed to kill her and also not give her powers that even in season 2 yeah. it was bad acupuncture that gave her yes, fucking superpowers she was just stabbed with did it make her cray cray Oh, hey, hey! That was the best thing to come out of that second season. I want so your cray, don't cray. Do. I, I want, want your cray, cray. I want your cray, cray. Can we do it now in minor key, just to <laughs> see if we can? Hey, hey. No, because it's a great song. You can't do it in minor key. No, you can't. It's major it's in every catchy. key. <laughs> so she is supposed to get more of a role as like a hero or villain in the next season, mm. and she's doing. Her own stunts, apparently, which good for her as an actress. Bad for her as an actress is that she can't act. So yeah. she's got that. She's got to do something, though. Going against her. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you're, Caitlin doesn't even like Jessica Jones anymore. I don't. The first season was good, and I didn't want to bother with the second season. Yeah, you I didn't like women. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's second. move on. Um, and uh, I like you, though, Ryan. Well, because you're a man. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. He hates uh, women, and that's Caitlin. That's I hate it. Alan Moore and I hate women. Yeah. Apparently, that's that's who I am. Anyway, so staying <laughs> on TV, one of my favorite uh, comic book adaptations, television adaptations ever, Batman the Animated Series, is going to be featured on the DC Universe app, but it's going to be in high def, which I'm really, really excited about. You can stream it right now on Amazon Prime, but if you watch any episodes, they don't. the quality isn't great. It doesn't look good. It's not the way I remembered the yeah. cartoon like on TV back in the 90s. So I'm very excited that they're going to like... you had a simpler brain that was more activated by bright colors. Basically, yeah. And then you gained taste and now you hate the things you used to love. Well, it was all real yeah. for real at the time. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm really glad it's going to be on high def because that show, um, even with not the best animation or the like the best definition, the the stories still really hold up. Yeah. So uh, to me, I was going to get the DC Universe app anyway because it's you know it'll have some of the new shows that we've talked about. But to me, having the entire Batman animated series in high def is worth the price of admission, easily. I wonder how I wonder how they do that, how they high def it. I mean, I, I guess know. you guys don't know, but um, I don't know. I, well, I bet it's really cool. Well, you know, they did that with the Star Callers, Trek. Call in. They did that with the Star Trek yeah. series, uh, both the original and Next Generation. They made them high def, and they look a lot better. Yeah, yeah, like the original series, especially. Looked fucking fantastic. Did they edit out more lines that they you could see when they're like moving ships across space? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is good. No, uh, it looks. It looked. I mean, it still looked like it was made in the '60s, but it looked really nice. Like the nice part of the '60s. Yeah, and, you know the Upper East Side. Yeah, no, not that dirty area. 1963. <laughs> I don't know. Did the year that Kennedy died? Yeah, that oh. was a dark year in the '60s. Okay. That's not the only thing that happened in that year either, guys. Stop saying that's the only thing that happened in that year, <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> Alright, you're right. You know what? Other <laughs> things did happen that year. Were you uh were you a big fan of that series? The anime series? Batman? Yeah. I yes, was. because they both I came uh, both that and the X Men came out the same year. Yeah. And I all of my friends were really into X Men. And I was like I liked the X Men anime series, but I was I, I was a bigger fan of Batman because it looked better and the voice acting was better. I mean, Mark Hamill made it like a second life for himself as the Joker. It's yeah, true. So, uh, and uh, nobody, uh, 
nobody else can play Kevin Conroy as Batman oh, in the animated no. series. He's phenomenal. They, and there have been other actors who've, who've done it, uh, and some of them have done an okay job, but Kevin Conroy is like the fucking And he had a standard. perfect voice at that time, and now he's just even more grizzled and, and gravelly. More, yeah, yeah, and it's perfect. I think, it I think that's the standard. Like, people will do impressions of him when they're doing Batman in animated series now. Also, For sure, the Joker. That's Oh, that's yeah, it. absolutely. The yeah. animated series introduced Harley Quinn. She never existed before the cartoon. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hey, bats! Yeah, uh, I can love well, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you kind of are a Harley Quinn. Hey, yeah, I guess I... Oh, yeah. Mr. J! Yeah. Oh, you're the sweetest Mr. J! Hey, J! Hey, Mr. As J! I'm evil, but loving. I'm yeah. doing an yeah. impression of Harley Quinn! Also, <laughs> Harley Quinn! they've uh, retconned the fact that she is bisexual because she has a relationship with Poison Ivy. Ah, that's good. Yeah. Good for Poison Ivy yeah. getting out there, getting yeah. relationships. So, uh, staying with DC for a second. Uh, Let's Miles- not. <laughs> Shut your face. <coughs> so, Milestone Comics are coming back. Uh, Milestone was an imprint of DC that started in the early 90s, right around when Vertigo came out. Vertigo had Sandman and Preacher and all those. Milestone was actually really, really important because it was the first time it was a predominantly African-American uh, cast or uh, characters and a predominantly African-American writers and artists running an imprint. Oh. And so it was all set in a fictitious city called Dakota and it had a lot of different kinds of characters including the Blood Syndicate which were they were basically a gang that got superpowers. They had a character called Icon which was kind of a, 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 a redo of Superman as a as a with as a black guy, an alien who came to Earth for and lived there for centuries and decided to become a superhero, but it was really about his sidekick named Rocket, who ended up becoming a teen unwed mother. Raccoon, yeah. Go on. <laughs> she was a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the most famous one was a character named Static. And he was almost like a Spider Man type character. He was a kid who got yeah. powers and it was all about him balancing superhero life with like home life and school life. And it was sort of the the breakout hit, and he even got his own animated series back in, I think, the 2000s called Static Shock. I remember. So they're bringing Milestone back uh, through a monthly or bi-monthly series about Static. I think it's going to be called Static Shock. And what's really exciting is one of my favorite artists, Kyle Baker, is going to be working on it. Um, What else has he done? uh, He's done a, a ton of stuff. He did some stuff for Marvel, including The Truth. Uh, the the comic about Captain America or like the first uh, the first Captain America being African American Isaiah um, yeah Brad Bradley was it no well he was the Patriots uh, oh. grandfather yeah, from yeah. Young Avengers um, he's done uh, a bunch of independent stuff including um, Why I Hate Saturn and the Cowboy something show Cowboy Bebop no that's anime. Um, and he he's just got a very exaggerated style. In fact, remember when we read the Fifth Beetle? Yes. Uh, uh, the when he was doing the exaggerated style, like the like it was like the comic within the comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Kyle Baker. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, well, how do you so with a character like Icon, or characters in general that are very clearly ripping off key features of another superhero? How far do you think you'll allow that? in the development of a character. Like, if it seems like it's aping and they're not adding anything to it, it's yeah. a little bit phony. But, but Icon definitely added something to it. I, I think characters like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, Captain America are so iconic at this point that you can have different riffs on them if there's something interesting you want to say that you can't say with the original character. Like, the Midnighter is definitely... Uh, a take on Batman who is very gay 
Yeah. You can't tell that story with Batman, unfortunately. Um, what? You our, can't? Yeah. I believe we have Robin around to tell that story I, for there us. Is, there is, okay, Seduction of the Innocent. There is a website, I think it's called Batman is a Total Dick. Uh, or maybe it's Superman is a Total Dick. And it's just comic panels where... Uh, it's taken individually. Superman or Batman look like total assholes, and a bunch of them are Batman just being as gay as possible, <laughs> uh, like saying extraordinarily <coughs> suggestive things to Robin, who is a young boy. Yeah, um, not exactly gay. Yeah. Uh, what's your point? Of, what's your point of this question? My point of the question is like, I mean, are there any adaptations that you like? I think so. D- Manhattan, Doctor Manhattan, yeah. is is good because he's like criticizing the medium and the idea of having a character that's this powered that they would lose their sense of morality. Yeah. But I don't know if there was any examples you thought of that were... They were just basically, th- like, the serial numbers just filed off and, like, why are they even writing a story about yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, because DC and Marvel have done this over their history. I don't know if you've got an opinion on I, that. Uh, I... It bothers me because I feel like they can make really unique characters that don't have to just be... If they're commenting on... How like if Superman is like um, you know what, what's the what's the one in DC now? Uh, it just recently got canceled, but it's an Asian American man that oh the Superman yeah exactly. Yeah. So I I didn't read that, but I I heard it got great reviews, but it didn't seem like it was actually it was pretty good doing well. Uh, it wasn't doing well. It was basically the Chinese government creates their own Superman. Oh, I see. But it's, oh, set, in, okay. but it's set in the DC universe, so I don't think it quite fits with what yeah. you're asking. Oh. But, um, uh, so in the 60s, Marvel and DC wanted to do crossovers, but the companies wouldn't allow it. And so they each created their own version of, like, the Justice League and of the Avengers in the, their respective universes. Yeah. So in in Marvel, they created the Squadron Supreme. Yeah. And they were all basically the Justice League characters. There's a Superman character named Hyperion. There's yeah. a Batman character named... Hyperion. Nighthawk. <laughs> Wonder Woman's yeah. Power Princess. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there's a lot of them. Uh, and so they were clearly... Everybody Everybody was kind of in on the joke. Yeah. And on, on DC side, they created a, a bunch of characters called the Justifiers. They were basically the Avengers. And there was like kind of like a... Like a Thor character, a Wasp character, uh, or, yeah, like a Wasp Ant-Man Tin character. Man. Yeah. Um, there was a Scarlet Witch character. So they had all that, but Squadron Supreme... Red bitch. ...was wow. actually was actually really interesting because it allowed Marvel to tell a story of the Squadron Supreme on their Earth. They ended up, like, taking over the world and trying to create a utopia. That sounds really interesting. It, it was. It was almost the precursor to Watchmen. Uh, it's, mm. it's not as well-written or well-drawn as Watchmen, but it was definitely ahead of its time in kind of telling a story of of superheroes that tried to do good but like overstepped their bounds. I really like the Marvel Universe one where um, it was a couple years ago that they did it. They brought them back like uh, in full force and like they they basically became a group that were just killing other like superheroes. It went off the rails so crazy yeah. and like all of them were terrible. Did you ever read Supreme Justice when they yes. did that with J. Michael Straczynski's uh-huh. thing? That that started well and then it kinda went off the rails. Yeah, it went a little bit crazy. But I uh I think it I think it just those type of characters don't work in the other universes because they're so so established in a different way. Agreed. They've gotta like be sort of like sectioned off in their in, in their own kind of characters. But like those characters are like they're like Tarzan or Sherlock Holmes or um, Doctor James Bond. Yeah, like characters like that that are so iconic that once you riff off, they've been around for so long, you can riff off them and can tell interesting stories that you can't tell with the originals. Yeah, 
I think they have to be a completely separate universe, yeah. though. Like Invincible, the way they did it within Invincible. Invincible, uh, Irredeemable is another one. Yeah. Um, in, incorruptible is another one. Anyway, so, like, keep it on comics news. Uh, I really wish Clark was here for this, but uh, Shatterstar is getting his own miniseries. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this. Um, I It does seem a little problematic, though, because I'm a little bit worried. Um, it's by Tim Seeley and Carlos Avila. Um, mm-hmm. The art looks really great. Um, I don't know too much of Tim's stuff. But um, in an interview that... Are you on a first-name basis with him now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like... Really, I, I haven't really read I him. I met him out, and he gave me T, a book. You know, T and I. <laughs> um, there's, uh, I mean, every gay boy's question, is he going to be pansexual just like he was at the last part of the X-Factor series mm-hmm. he was in? And currently, uh, he appeared in... New Mutants. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So they were still together. Um in an interview with uh, with the writer, though, it's a little worry, just a scotch worrisome, because he's like, he was really inspired by Shatterstar at the latter part of the New Mutants run, yeah. where which is basically where he's the most 90s you could ever 90s, explosion yeah. 90s. So uh, that's a little problematic. And also there was a, another miniseries that he was inspired by, which was a long shot series. So, um, he talks a lot about liking Rob Leefield as well, which is Ooh, always not my bad, favorite bad thing. News. Um, so, it, Shatterstar is a Mojovian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if they were called, is that what the, sure, I don't Mojo know what Vos- would be. Mojoverser or something, yeah. The planet is Mojo. Oh no, it's Mojo. I thought Mojoverse was like the universe, but Mojo, Mojo is World is the uh, world. Yeah. yeah. Mojo, yeah, Mo- Mo- I think Mojovian probably makes the most sense. Sure. Yeah. Mojovial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, Being like a Mojovial. I, so Tim Seeley is actually a pretty good writer. He hasn't written for Marvel that I know of. He's written for DC. He wrote the Nightwing series for a while, and he was it was good. Yeah. Um, and he has not shied away from, like, gay characters. Like, he featured Midnighter in Nightwing and in oh, Grayson, yeah. the pre prequel series to Nightwing, where Nightwing, like, lost his secret identity and just went as Dick Grayson. And uh, he had he had you know Midnighter basically like kind of like scamming on him and hitting on him a little bit, so he does not shy away from gay characters at all. Well, that's good. Um, liking a lot of Rob Layfield is not the best, yeah. but I know a lot of people who started reading comics in the eighties and nineties yeah. like him because his art was so different from everything else. Uh, although actually, it was a lot like Arthur Adams who drew the Longshot miniseries, which was actually quite good. That, he, yeah. that he's inspired by. As a practical question. Um, in like okay, so in any story where there's different species that theoretically could hook up, like Star Trek, any of the comics, whatever. Yeah. Uh, are you pansexual if you sleep with a different species? That's a great question. Uh, um. Because obviously, when we say pansexual, we mean that you're not conforming to any gender binary in who you're attracted to. Yeah, you're attracted but to But that's people. like within humans. Yeah. So like Shatterstar, if he's ever interested in a human being, is like pansexual. Technically pansexual. That's true. They, yeah. I think they've actually brought that up before. Really? And like, I think like in, I, in I, Axe Factor, I'm I pretty think sure they did. Peter David, yeah, even was he's like, like, yeah, I just, we sleep with everything. Um, and basically, dude, just you're fucking a rock right now. <laughs> you're hot. just, you're just crazy. It's rock hard. Well, I mean, we we've all had a hookup where you're like, you am I pansexual? Because I don't know what I just slept with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you I, well, I, thought you were, yeah. I thought you were gonna say, am I pansexual? Because you were acting like a rock. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, uh, I don't like Shatterstar. Star. I did like his portrayal in Deadpool too, just because he's like this massive asshole. I swear to God, that I gets think you're killed so fast. Just trolling Clark while he's not here. Well, yeah. I don't know he, why he likes the character so much. Uh, and this isn't they're... this isn't me fake hating him. I know. Like I fake hated multiple man. It's just because I just like every single issue we've read well, of him. He's ro- so boring, and I think I hate his sword a lot. Uh, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> yeah, it's a nonsense. Most, so both Madrox, Multiple Man, and Shatterstar. The reason why Clark loves them is because of the Peter David X Factor series. I say, um, where Peter David took a extreme '90s cliche of a character and actually turned him into like a three-dimensional interesting interesting character that you wanted to read about. So, yeah, he gave him a goddamn haircut. He was wearing a mullet for uh, 30 years. A mullet with a fucking ponytail. Yeah. How do you do both? How do you do both? I don't know. Ask Felicity. Uh, um, it's it's party in the front and party in the back. <laughs> uh, but oddly business on top. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Uh, in other, oh, by com- the way, I was describing his sexual positions. Oh. <laughs> no, I, and he's showing them to yeah. us right now. Actually, yeah, he's all business up top. Uh, in other X Men type of related news, uh, they announced because Comic Con International is coming up in San Diego uh, in a couple weeks, and they announced that they're going to have an X Men panel, and they're going to have a new team of X Men coming out of it. So I looked at the list of writers, and it's all the current writers. Yeah. It doesn't look like even, like, Guggenheim or any of Golden Blue are on there, unless they're going to be surprise guests and they bring them out. So we don't really know any new creative teams or anything like that. Yeah. But, I mean, in theory, probably they have to replace Blue and Gold, because those are their flagships right now. And they're going to end with issues 36 yeah. uh, during the Extermination miniseries yeah. that's coming out, Just uh, coming out yeah. pretty soon. Um, I hope they bring back Uncanny X-Men, and I hope they have a different writer, because I'm actually kind of excited about the X-Titles again. We'll get get to that in a second. Like, the um, resurrection was kind of a bust for the most part, but the latter... (laughs) That was great. The latter latter half of it actually resulted in some really good titles, even though we lost Generation X. Mm -hmm. We lost Iceman, but he's coming back. Uh, Thank you, Cena Grace. Uh, X-Men Red has been great. Um... I am actually very excited about Astonishing X Men yeah. number thirteen. Yeah, which we should. I think we should review that. Okay. Um, I obviously was all in, balls deep into this right away. Jeez, because you know Dazzler. Well, you put Dazzler on a cover. I'm so read not it. very far I'm from you. Pick it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Um, uh, wow, that was good. Um, uh, so we start with basically just havoc. Wreaking havoc, which makes sense, um, and then we are talking about astonishing X Men. <laughs> we're talking about yeah. astonishing X Men number thirteen. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> no, me. I'm still talking about my sex life. Uh, so basically, havoc is there. The Avengers show up and say you're the fucking worst. Uh, then he goes to the school and they say you're the fucking worst. And then he goes to see Beast, and Beast says, you're the fucking worst. So I'm th- sensing a theme here. Yeah, he's not yeah. really picking up. No, Havoc yeah. is a little slow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that there's this kind of part of the world, I like this world building, that there, there you have to accept now that there's just massive damage factors on a scale that's above a natural disaster like a hurricane, that you just have to like evacuate cities, cord them off, make negotiation deals with mole men, and yeah. then... To just let a monster roam free for a little while yeah. until you like 
It was like oh, a it's dip- like letting a forest fire like like go on to yeah. get rid of some of the dead wood. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was like a diplomatic mission too, like for them to it's move so that smart. creature. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah. And Havoc just comes in like I'm a hero again, fucking shit up. I've heard a lot of backlash online uh, of like them being like, imagine the X Men if they all hated each other, and I'm like, bitch, read the old comics. They're always constantly squabbling. It's They're- like a Totally they fighting. hate each other. They're like bitch slapping each other all the time. Also, Rockslide, I may say may, it might be my MVP just because the way he's trolling him. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Aren't you still a war criminal or whatever? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you, shouldn't you be in jail? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, it's it's murky territory. But yeah, but like, shouldn't you be in jail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was good. It good was really Havoc good. for looking so good. Havoc uh, looks good. I don't. Love his like not mask mask. I wish they had just made it a mask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like it does. Like the eyes don't like completely. Not mask for mask. Not mask for mask. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty good. I did like also how Kitty Pride seemed very authoritative this issue in a way like she's taking much more control than I, I. She like she and in some issues Jean Grey have always seemed kind of like a little bit wilting like they didn't understand what they were supposed to do and yeah. this seemed like she had a very forthright direction yeah and uh agreed uh she's been more likable in this than she's been in a long time Sorry. can we talk a little bit about the art too yeah uh i don't like greg land but i didn't hate him here i thought he was pretty good i know i thought um, this is decent yeah i i think like he got away a little bit from the tracing of the faces like yeah it's still there but it, it's like the best looking, it's the best looking art he's done in like fifteen years. Yeah, I'm so glad they're sticking with his beast look because I actually like it yes. a lot. Me yeah. too. That's my favorite beast look. Um, so talk about beast. Did you like beast? Because there, most people fucking hate beast, but I like his portrayal in this. I like this beast. is who he is. Now, this is I who he like. is. I've I've liked beast for a long time. He's sort of a cut. He's sort of a cunt. Well, he seemed like he was pretty well justified, and I did like that um, Havoc is calling him out on you know being a piece of shit before, but I, I think that he's like trying to compose himself and trying to be a more respected member and like reestablish his reputation. His argument of like, do you know how many times I've been fucking stabbed or broken bones or shit like that? I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. I woke. I wake up like hurting every day, which would make sense for a superhero to actually feel. And he's felt betrayed by so many of the X Men before, yeah. by like Scott and like. They're his so actions. mean to him. Even online, even on Reddit, they hate him. I can't I imagine. Beast is one of my favorites. I've always really, really liked him. Um, I love that. Basically, uh, he calls out Havoc. It's like, can you call the rest of your team to come save us? Well, I kind of asked you first. I just told you I asked you yeah. first. Yeah. yeah, and but I'm not. I, I said no. I said no. I'm not going to join your yeah. fucking team. I kind of. I asked you first. You're the first person to accept that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even accept. Uh, what what do we think of the uh, the reveal? The 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 reveal? Yeah. So Banshee is like kept in a storage cell or something by. In, th- uh, in theory, the last time we saw Banshee, he was in, uh, I believe, uh, was it Astonishing Avengers or something like that? Um, Uncanny he was- Avengers? Uncanny Avengers. Yes, one of the Whatever, yeah. It was that. Um, but he got the death seed in him, and Beast said it'll take him years to recover from uh, it. Because okay. he basically came back from death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's basically and a zombie. And he looks or... like a fucking crazy zombie man. He does. So is um, he's Dazzler, Dazzler coming up? Dazzler's going to be the next issue. And yeah. then Colossus... Is, uh, does we do enough? She's going to be part of this team? Yeah, she yeah. will be. Yeah. Uh, she will be. Beast will be. Colossus... 
and Warpath. Warpath, yeah. Right. Uh, so it's a really cool, really cool team. No, no Wolverine type. No Wolverine type That's on the second team. Yeah. Um, um, and what? also, I love that Clark basically, he said when he saw this last page, he screamed. He yeah, he screamed. screamed with excitement. Yeah. yeah. He was so, um, so happy. Uh, it's it's cool the way they're building this team because it's definitely the people that have sort of been kicked out or want to leave the X-Men. Uh, Colossus are like the bad news bears of the X-Men. They're exactly not what I was going to say. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's a cool team. It's got its own sort of mission right now. Yeah. I'm uh, I, this is a very strong uh, start. I'm actually liking it more than the Charles Sewell Astonishing X-Men. I like that first issue a lot. Yeah. But I, I like that... Uh, Matthew Rosenberg, the writer, he said um, in an interview that it's not going to be like a long form, like twelve issue storyline. There's going to be like recurring plots. Yeah, but he's going to tell his own like little stories all the way through, which is, I think is is a better fit for this team. The and I this mean, book. It, it, sometimes it has to be a, a pointless exercise, but a really good building of a team makes a story a lot stronger because yeah. they just feel arbitrarily thrown together. Then you kind of like question why they're together at all, and you have right. to worry about like. What are their motivations? What matters to them? Yeah. And you have to reconcile it in your head more than allow the story to develop for you. Yeah, I agree. So staying with X-Men for a second, X-Men Gold number 31, it's the aftermath of uh, Kitty jilting uh, Colossus at the altar. Yeah. Uh, so glad the cover featured a very unique um, um, art re- representation of Colossus fading through Kitty. Yeah, it's a that's a nice cover. It's yeah. a new interpretation of fisting, which I like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're hard. <laughs> sad, sad fisting. Yeah. Sad. Yes. It's minor key fisting. Open handed fisting. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't really love this title. I think I've made it pretty clear. I don't think you guys do, but this issue was okay. Yeah, it was good. I kind of was surprised by the reveal at the end. I was wondering what the fuck was going on for a little bit. I, yeah. I liked it actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little tired of them going back to the days of future past storyline I think yeah. it's been done to death of course uh, but but uh, they didn't really because it was they, all a creation of um, I, I, yes I mind I, man I, I, yes I'm aware but we mind still but we still read a full issue of days of future past that's true so but what I did like was uh, I think they hinted that uh, Bobby and the new pyro are a couple why do you say that, faggot? Because they're kind of together at the end of... Why? The- Just because they're hanging out? They really like Game I, of Look, guys, I I said this a long time ago. As soon as he was introduced, I thought he was his new love interest. Yeah, I think it's going to be like Ice and Fire. That's going to be the next yeah. uh, title. Were any of you guys excited when um, um, uh, Spike Face Girl, what's her name? That's a, that's a girl? Rachel? Rachel. 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 Prestige. Yeah. She, Prestige when she broke Scott's neck. I thought that made me happy. Loved it. <laughs> loved I was like, it. I don't yeah. love the Sentinels and stuff, but this I can get behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just a good, like, uh, she would do that. She can fucking, she's got that power. Uh, yeah. There does seem, uh, narratively, it seems kind of like a little bit of a cheat. I know that they it is. You have to do that to build, but the cheat is that, you know, you've got no development for the actual characters and it's almost like a side story that's completely like when a show just wastes time on an episode within an episode <coughs> right um it's, that doesn't really move the it's narrative it's basically along. treading water yeah yeah uh i think so because i mean there's only like what five more issues left to this title Thank and it's going to be like wrapped into the whole extermination yeah five, well, too many. let's uh, let's end strong let's end strong this is yeah. an okay issue this let's is an end okay strong. issue uh and i like the last issue too so maybe guggenheim can you know stick the landing so to speak uh, why don't we talk about uh, Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Loss number three. Um, so we got another somewhat Weapon X title. 
Um, if you thought that last issue of gold was cheating you out of a death, then you'll love this issue. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they they kind of are. Uh, so Cipher in the last issue got a slit his throat by a mysterious Wolverine like character. Easy to recover from. Oh, it's, it's a flesh wound in the hmm. X Men. Some universe. say too easy. Yeah. Um. So uh. So they rush him to this weird medical bay thing. Uh. Then they actually see that it's more of a cyborg. Uh, Wolverine. His name or, is Albert. Or Albert, His yeah. His name is Albert. His name is Albert. The dumbest um, name for a villain to be named. It's fucking dumb. Um, so they all fight. Um, His and name they... is Jeremy. <laughs> right? This is not a threatening name. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so basically they all fight, and then Cypher somehow miraculously like, cures himself and stops him. And then... We we get a little bit more exposition. The one good thing that this issue has going on is Frank and Misty together. It's kind oh, of oh, I love it. It's kind of a cool thing that like it makes sense that they would get along and maybe I, I like it. Uh, they I like make it. It's out a built bit. Yeah. and it seems like it's it's a yeah. very reasonable thing. And like neither of them are. It, it seems like neither of them are the kind of characters that will take it too far and make it like overly romantic. But like yeah, we can be fuck buddies for a while. Yeah, they were just gonna. Do it, and then a cipher comes back in and just touches them on the shoulder like a creep. Yeah. Um, and then the end of the issue has a cliche exploding building. Yeah. It um, was fine. It was I, fine. I, what, oh, go I was going to say that compared to the last story we were just talking about, this to me kind of doesn't seem like a waste because if you were actually trying to search for Wolverine, and there are so many Wolverine types out there, if you're trying to use an algorithm to find Wolverine-like instances, there's a very high likelihood that you would run into this kind of problem of getting something that looks yeah. like your issue and it's not really. It's it's a very uh, clever and elegant way of dealing with too many like stabby stabby type characters yes. in the Marvel universe. Um, Kill I'm, them all. I'm uh, I'm amazed. I don't know about you, Ryan, that they brought Albert back. Like I haven't thought about that character since the nineties. That was yeah. I that's like that's a deep that was cut. a deep deep pull. I wonder because they no seem to be gathering. <laughs> no. Uh, they seem to be gathering all the Wolverines together. They, yeah. They're kind of... Are they going to annihilate them all? Maybe. And, like, and just the have X-23 Lo and... And Logan? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, Dawkins going to stick around. Um, combine them. And, um... um, Not Laura. What's her name? Gabby. Yeah. Gabby's going to stay around. Oh, Gabby's going to stick around. Yeah. yeah. She's got general... Oh, that bitch is alright. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I told you the story blew up. You're like, oh, God. So, Stupid, <laughs> you made a pun? I don't know. It's bad. Yeah. Someone's dead and you're making shitty puns? What are hey. you, this podcast? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a pretty decent issue. Uh, the next issue is the last one of this miniseries. Um, it's my second favorite of the uh, Hunt for Wolverine for, like, for, for, for issue miniseries. Well, so going forward, I mean, because there are four storylines that are all focused on the same topic. Yeah. When one ends, <laughs> is it like... Do you think that the characters will kind of just fade out, or will they be involved in one of the other storylines? Unless they're building to some super, like, Wolverine, uh, like, ongoing series, I think their characters are just going to fade out. Yeah. Sometimes it leads to it, but I think for this, they just wanted to, to money grab. The, the longer, the longer. They're all fucking these... red herrings for where he actually is. Every right. single one of them is like, <laughs> it has, it's my cousin it Frank. Has to either be like, like, yeah. It has to be philosophically like incredibly impactful or narratively incredibly impactful 
if you've got all these storylines and then they all just kind of fizzle out into nothing. Right. Wow. I would Welcome be, to Marvel Comics. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> did, did I just express how much I'm going to resent this in <laughs> yeah. like, oh, a couple weeks? So, it's glad to use Speaking of Marvel, uh, we had another fr- fresh start first issue, mm. Captain America number one. Brent takes away. Running into coats is really moving up, in my opinion, in terms of yeah. uh, comic book writing. Yeah. Because I'm so glad that he's got a background of social and political commentary. Fits um, very well for this character. Oh, I God, thought yeah. it was fascinating having the, the all these clones of Duke, and they're all psychopaths. And they nuke. Co- nuke. nuke. Yeah. It's not Duke. It's no. Nuke. It's Nuke. You're thinking of that video game. Duke Nukem. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of Nuke. Wait, is it Nuke Dukem? No, it's just oh, Nuke. Okay. <laughs> but God, I'm uh, going to kill you. But they've, they've... So Captain America, in confronting them, looks at them and says, like, you're not the same person that you were. That even in your aggressive, hyper-violent state, you still had respect for certain rules and norms that were supposed to protect. And Captain America kind of has this conflict within himself wondering like okay so nuke has the flag tattooed to his face he is a symbol of that flag but i am also a symbol of that flag and i think that that essential dichotomy is phenomenal social commentary oh god especially for today because i think that on so many levels there are people who are seen as the outliers uh, but they are treated as if they are the representatives of something and how you decide what is the real representation becomes a major issue based off of whether or not you th- you really think you're the hero or not. Yeah. I mean, uh, so Sharon Carter is brought into this, and she's great character. Hey, no, Sharon, you're right, Sharon. Yeah, yeah. Sharon. Um, it's Agent Thirteen. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She just she just looks like Peggy. she looks like Peggy now. Yeah, yeah she looks older. <laughs> um, I like that they they're still sort of like romantically entangled. Um, yeah. He's not an ageist bitch. Also, he's probably older he than her. He wouldn't be. Yeah, he's older he, than yeah. her still. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he looks such, great. He does look great, but he's such a good person too. I, yeah. yeah, I think he he really is like, you know, he's one of those attractive people who's like, no, but I really do like you for your personality. Like, oh fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Piece of come shit, on, yeah. you're better than us. <laughs> <laughs> um, the supporting cast is really great already. Um, I I like that Bucky's uh, his real girlfriend is in it. That's oh, nice to have I them know. around. Um, I want him to build it even more. I want some more people in it. Uh, and then we get the reveal of, and you might not know this, but Celine is in it, the one that sort of drains the life out of uh, characters. She, she, was, in the she ca- was in the Cable series that we read. The, what? Yeah, she was in Cable. Oh, yeah, you're right. Actually. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, I do remember. She's one of the immortals or whatever the fuck they're called. Externals. Inter- externals, yeah, yeah, internals, yeah, alternals. Um uh, but she she's a really great X Men character that I love. So I was super excited when she's hundred percent. I'm really really excited. It's to a see great her. foil. Mother Russia is also uh, sort of uh, it's a very good main. intro. This is so weird. The most wonderful, relevant, and best first issues of Captain America since the Ed Brubaker Steve Epting run, mm-hmm. which definitely captured the sort of post 9-11 zeitgeist in two thousand five or whenever that issue came out. Yeah, this definitely feels like. A post-Trumpian oh America, God, for uh, sure. It, it just like uh, it, it's he's so the right voice <laughs> the, for this character right it, now. It was perfect, uh, just sort of alluding to things. But one of the lines that I'm like, it was flat out. He was like, especially what's going on with the government. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Just there was one line that it was like, <laughs> look. 
Come on. But there's I, one of the themes that I'm liking that's going to build is the theme of fidelity and to what cause you commit yourself to because you had the Hydra agent who is like hail Hydra to, the, to his death. Yeah. And there's a certain, I mean, I don't want to say there's a nobility to it, but the, the fact that someone has that level of conviction, you're like, I've got to be concerned about someone with that degree of thought because she's like, uh, what's her name? The the who was the girl? It was Celine. Was it the, no, the other girl that was in the oh, Alexa blonde yeah. girl? Yeah, the, I don't know who she is. Her name's Alexa in it. She yeah. warned them. Alexa. Oh wait, no. your Alexa just turned on. By the yeah. way, oh, no, 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 stop, stop, Alexa, stop, stop it, Alexa. I'm taking the power. Take out. it out. Take it out. Uh, this is how Skynet starts. Uh, um. So she, but she warns the security, the guard, the guard. She's like, I told you, you should have done something. Blah blah. blah. And he just ignored her. He's like, Well, Hydra will never be defeated. Yeah. It's like, if you have that kind of myopic view about your world goals, you're not going to be super successful. Right. Um, what I really, really loved about this is it took a shitty premise and turned it into a compelling story. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that I did not like the Secret Empire crossover. I thought it was ill-advised. I thought it was poorly written, yeah, poorly drawn. It was. Um, conceptually, just wasn't great. But uh, Tanahisi was able to take, okay, this happened. Let's talk about what's next. Yes. And like deal with an America that feels very broken right now. And the fact that like you know you have Baron von Strucker like you know basically as part of the U.S. government because he took out these like quote unquote Hydra splinter cells. Yes. That's like holy crap! It's like you just made a made a supervillain like a part of the administration. Uh, he like watched, how fucking like ripped uh, from the headlines is that? I mean, he watched him on the TV and just had to turn it off. Yeah. I'm like Ugh, we've what? all yeah, done yeah, that yeah. shit. Uh, that that to me was super Powerful. excellent because that's basically what the U.S. government did with Nazi scientists. Yeah. Like, we're going to give you a free pass and give you a lot of power if you give us your intelligence. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. This is is such a smart book. It's a great, great first issue. Amazing. Um, It just reminded me a little bit of, um, just going back to X-Men for a second, um, I did not like the the premise that House of M created for the X-Men back in the mid-2000s. Yeah, really. The 198 mutants left, you know, no more mutants, whatever. Yeah. But the books that followed it really dealt with how uh, harrowing that that, uh, environment was for the X-Men. And I think it was actually a very... They're like... We were given lemons. Let's make lemonade, and I feel yeah. that's what Tony Hasey's done. They were decimated. Miss Marvel had a like awakening. Like a bunch of people like yeah, changed yeah, yeah. who they were. Yeah. So this this made me think of the Quicksilver storyline because there's not actually that much that goes on within the story. Yeah, and there isn't a ton of philosophizing. There's not like long dictation, and yet it's still incredibly rich and thoughtful. It felt so long and meaty, but it was the same amount yeah. as other issues that we read this week. So it felt a little so bit longer. Narratively oh. great, <laughs> artistically <laughs> phenomenal. It had one of my favorite panels that I've ever seen. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that where it's back. It's a backlit Explain Steve uh, Rogers jumping toward several of the nukes, mm-hmm. uh, the characters, uh, <laughs> nuke clones, um, and he's streaking uh, red, white, and blue. But yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a panel like that. Yeah. I think it's a very weird way of, sh- of shadowing and shading. This artist is really good. Uh, Len he's Francis so, Yu. Like, yeah, he's very talented. I love you. He's so good. Yeah. I love you too. Oh, I think you're just okay. Aww. Aww. 
So, anything else on Captain America before moving on? No, I'm very excited about no, it. I think just so great. pumped. We're not dropping this. Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. Um, why don't we talk about Doctor Strange, number three? So, uh, an, I thought another great issue for Doctor Strange, they sort of, uh, they really dived in deep. Like, it, it's the third issue since it's uh, st- Fresh Egg Start, and... <laughs> They've already had, like, a cut to, like, what I've been up to in the last couple of... They've already, like, gone so deep with it. Like, this character and his new sidekick. I love it so much. Oh, uh, she Earth, would be annoyed if you called her a sidekick. I know! And that, <laughs> yeah, Earth Billy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> she called me an Earth Billy. Uh, Kana is her name. I yeah. really like her a lot. She's really great. I like that she identifies herself as both a magic user and a science user because of yep. her parents. Yep. Really cool. Um... Uh, then we. She, do you think she's the kid from Saga all grown up? Oh, I would no. love that. That would be a lot. Uh, yeah, that'd be too much. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then we get some scroll business in there, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Then we get some uh, some Infinity Stone business of the Time Stone in there. Yeah. Which they gotta bring Doctor Strange around the Time Stone. It just was inevitably gonna happen at right. some point. Um, really great issue. I think it moves really well. And then it's got a gut-wrenching ending as well. I think I, I was extraordinarily excited to see that they just jumped through so many adventures. of the major adventures because in comics that's something you can do very effectively yeah. without wasting a lot of page space. Yeah. Um, because often they would like they would either explore all of that or explore none of it, and they would just mention, "Oh, do you remember when we were on the dunes of Kalmar?" Yeah. And like. Why don't you show me a little bit of that? Because I want to see that you guys have built a relationship. Mark Wade is... I, I'm hit or miss with him, but like he is a very competent comic writer. He's been doing this for a long time. He gets it. And he gets it. He knows how to like you know tell a story with as few panels as possible. Yeah. Or like just give you an idea of what's happening. He is, he is a good master at that. So part of Doctor Strange's learning in space is like, how do I advance my magic beyond myself? And one thing I really liked was the scroll who had multiple arms yeah. to do magic with. And if you're Doctor Strange, I mean, maybe he should have encountered aliens who did magic before. But I do like that part of his myopic view is that humans do magic with two hands or less. Yeah. That, that he doesn't think like, what if I could combine spells because I'm utilizing more parts of my body and that someone who has more parts might be able to do better. It's Correct. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I really like also that they went to the scroll, um, my last name, uh, planet, because like just to have a planet where everything adapts all the time, anything can be a shapeshifter. They're just so used to that. I thought it was just so cool. Um, that how do you they they were talking about how do you define your identity and like some other stuff it did really cool i thought it just a great issue so i, I, like, I this, like that he's a scroll racist too he's oh, like that, oh there's no scrolls i like no he's a total <laughs> scroll racist i was like jesus i was like Steven. calm yourself yeah. like, there are some that are okay and he's like no no they're all terrible yeah it reminded me a lot of uh james kirk and klingons and the okay. original Star Trek. Yeah, totally. So I, I, I can't remember the the all the Fantastic Four parts. Yeah. Is that just because the Fantastic Four has been out somewhere in space and they've just been So the Super places? Scroll the Super Scroll is like is basically like a higher form of a scroll and he has all the Fantastic Four powers. I see. Yeah. He's a great character, he's a really good antagonist, and he was kind of a pro- protagonist in the Annihilation series that Adam loves he, so much. It it, it kind of makes sense because he just sort of hates 
Earth Billies out there. Like yeah. he just fucking hates people from Earth. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm digging this. Uh, I'm glad we're we're reading it. Love it. Yeah. Um, definitely keeping it. One note is he we the Deus Ex Machina of the Monkey Paul forgetting. Uh, uh, that was great. So good. You knew as soon as they introduced it, they were going to use it at some point. But and then she's like, "Whatever, I trust you." That, the, that oh. is very good drawing for his face of concern. Yeah. yeah, it's like oof. so good, great ending. Yeah, and then there's the dog. Yeah, <laughs> just how worried should I be? I know, oh. ghost dog, ghost dog. Uh, let's move on to Ant Man Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. Do 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 do. Beat up up by that wasp. Um. Okay. So we get more science with these weird. Paramecium, and also, this is something that's weird because my introduction to Ant Man is from the film. Yeah, and the weird thing to me is that like Hank Pym is obsessed with building shrinking and growing technology, and also actual ants. Uh, it seems like those two are very unrelated fields of scientific study. Well, you're not a scientist, bitch. Um, that's a fair <laughs> point, I guess. But that uh, <clears throat> Scott Lang is able to control a bunch of Alien ants are like, I don't really know why I'm following you. I love that scene uh, so much. Those guys over there are idiots. And they're like, hey, hey, who are you calling idiots? He's like, oh, no, no, guys. I was just I was just saying you guys are great. No, <laughs> not a big deal. Yeah. Um, the uh, I, I do like this weird paramecium scientist character. I know. Because he like, cares about science and he cares about getting things right. And he doesn't care if something's surprising. He cares if it's like beneficial. And Nadia's like, no, we have to protect him because he's going to get effed up if we don't. Um, this it's, is such a fun comic, and I love yeah. the art so much. It's yeah. so weird, and it's got interesting perspectives uh, of, of all the various like little like quantum realm or microverse, or I guess they can call it the microverse in the comic. Yeah. Um, I think the quantum it, states of all the characters now multiplying. Yeah. Um, it's just so much fun. I like Scott Lang so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just obsessed with Hope. Yeah, they're they're a good. She's, duo. It's actually not Hope in the comic. Her name Wait, is Nadia. Nadia. Yeah, yeah. she's Her Hope and Nadia. Yeah, she feels very different than Hope in the movie too. Yeah, she not, seems fun, younger. Nadia's different. younger. She's like definitely like a teenager type character, whereas Hope in the movies is like in her thirties and fucking Ant Man. Well, yeah. I still like their dynamic. Yeah, no, no, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, and apparently Ant-Man is now backwards. What? Whoa. I said reverse Ant-Man yeah. question mark in my notes? I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of duos, why don't you take us through Cloak and Dagger? Okay. Oh so. Not in, I'm really not into this. Cloak well, I know. Dagger. I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. It's a cool concept. I mean, it's, it's very on the nose about separation anxiety, how relationships are dependent on people, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But as soon as they introduce another character... In a flashback, you know that character is going to be the big bad at the end. It was so obvious. Everyone saw it coming. Also, I have a little PTSD from the art itself because the artist of Young X-Men, written by Guggenheim, a terrible (laughs) run. Wait, he drew this? No, no, no. no. There's a a long pause before you say that. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, keep keep going. Uh, No, it was like... uh, early 210s do people call it that that time yeah. frame mm-hmm. um, sure. uh when it was called the young x-men mm-hmm. it was that offshoot group yeah yeah yannick paquette was the artist 
Yeah, is this the same guy? No, it's different. Why does it look so similar? There, there is a similarity to a Yannick Paquette is a much better artist than this guy. This it it looks it doesn't look great, honestly. Yeah. Um, I I was sort of bored in this interaction. I uh, I think I've just decided I don't really like Cloak and Dagger. I just don't like wow. the characters. I like them as like wow. kind of like secondary like background characters. Uh, I've never really cared for their adventures as like leads. Yeah, it's so. good that they got a mini series. It's good that they try to separate them and give them something new. So but is it a mini series? It, it is, bitch. Yeah. Okay, go, all right. Um, I feel bad I, for the character. Oh, sorry, you were saying. No, no, I was just gonna say. I, I was gonna say. Which dropping character it. do you feel bad? for? Well, no, I feel bad for these two characters because, like, in the history of, I mean, they're essentially buddy cops. Yeah, there are so many different variations on buddy cops that to find your niche in that world is like yeah. really yeah. because they feel like they're so on the nose with all their relationships and it kind of gets a little bit weird that she's like he has this dark force issue and she has to help him always through it yeah. and it's like it kind of makes it feel like it's validating a weird emotionally dependent relationship Stop that's not necessary it's it's tough because it's like if you get out of a relationship, but then you have to see that person all the time. I get out. Of, I have to get out of the relationship, and if I don't stay in it, he's gonna murder. Me. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's a tough place to be. Yeah, uh, I would suggest we drop this, but I. I think we give it one more issue. One more issue. I, I I feel a little bit more charitable to it. I don't know why. There's there's yeah. stuff I kind of like about it. Maybe a past relationship you're dealing with. Yeah, this you, know, comic. you know. Who knows? Okay. Oh, all right. Well, so the last book that we've got this week, Justice League number three. Uh, sorry, Ryan, I just love this series so much. No, I. You know what? It's good. I'll it's, say that. Even though you don't like DC. Even though I don't like DC. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Even though if the main storyline, I think, is just okay. I don't need to know about another, like, part of the emotional spectrum or lack thereof. The ultraviolet lanterns. Like, okay, I get it. You yeah. know, we have like the red and the yellow or sinistro. Core. We've got the blue lanterns. We got the you know fucking indigo lanterns. It's a cool concept. Cerulean lantern. We got it. Yeah. We got it. Cool. Seafoam green lantern. We, yeah. we do. But I really love the way that Scott Snyder is exploring the DC universe through the Justice League because they're interacting with a bunch of different characters, a bunch of different like concepts within the DC universe, and it feels even even if you're a new reader and Brent you tell me this like it feels like very very approachable and very accessible. I actually I was I was thinking that it's like going on a first date with someone and yeah. then they're just like giving you so much information so fast and you think like maybe if you presented it a little bit differently yeah. I could like in more bite-sized chunks I'd be okay with all this but the fact that you just yeah. dump information uh, yeah, on you yeah. word vomit. Yeah, I mean I feel like this is not a comic it's like it's not a comic written for new readers. It's a comic for people who have read a, some other stuff, but not a ton, enough to know all the a, a decent percentage of the relationships and uh, <clears throat> philosophical themes. I just it, it kind of this episode more issue more than others. Made Can me I feel say something? Long. It feels like you're bringing a lot of past relationships stuff to this comic as well. I and wish I, I could form work. daggers of light and stab <laughs> you with them. What <laughs> color would they be? Mm. White. Okay, I'm a racist. <laughs> they taste like privilege. Um, um, I can, I can, I can respect that. It is a lot of information, and yeah. I do think. I wonder that how much of my nostalgia for these characters and the concept in the DC universe is coloring my love for it. 
Yeah. Uh, but I do think I haven't been ex- this excited for a Justice League comic since like Grant Morrison wrote it twenty years ago. Uh, he wrote Justice League before he wrote New X Men. So, um, and he like went balls to the wall with like those with with his issues, and that's what this is reminding me of a little bit. I think that for me, even if you've got an ensemble story, that it really helps the story if you've got a singular perspective that's kind of guiding movement throughout the stories. That's fair. Which is why Thanos works so well, mm-hmm. and I kind of wish, like, it seems like the Lantern core is going to be a very big part, mm-hmm. that if instead they focused on one character and made the interactions from his perspective, for the most part, it would be a little bit easier. You know, that's why they oftentimes, they will bring in, like, a new character who's never been part of a team to be able to be the point of view yeah. and be like, this is like, they're the stand-in for the reader. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Like, Kitty Pryde was very much that character in the X-Men and back in the early days. Well, so, yeah, I think this, this universe is so developed that I think it would be, it would be nice if it was not, it was like an intelligent POV character. Yeah. Like someone I, who's been around. I actually think it would have been smart if they'd made like John John's Martian Man. Yes, POV I character. agree. That would be very good. Because he is the leader and when he's like been away from Justice League for a while and him having to like, kind of be like the narrator I think would be kind of cool or maybe make each different issue like kind of a uh, a different narrator like you know a different perspective like I like Flash do that yeah yeah Flash Wonder Woman uh, but nonetheless I do think um, there's a lot of fun stuff happening it's not boring he's packing a lot of stuff in each issue this isn't a limited series is it no no no, no this, this is ongoing this is the new yeah. ongoing it's the new ongoing um, it's, there's a the, the thing I do like about it is that there are a lot of story like maybe it's more like Game of Thrones yeah that when you first watch it people are mentioned and there's tons of stuff that's happening yeah. that you don't really get a very good bearings on yeah. until like the next 10 episodes or whatever where you're like oh okay I understand who's motivated by what who cares about what the fact that there's so many threads that are involved in this, I yeah. like. Yeah. So, uh, should we do MVPs? Yeah, sure. MVPs. Kalen, do you want to take it away? Sure. Uh, my MVP was a tie. Oh, oh. what a cheapskate. Yeah. I know. Astonishing X Men number 13 and Captain America number 1. You're a cheat. <laughs> I am a cheat. But, um, MVP character. Just scroll through comics right now. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember what we were at. Don't just throw. Come on. Um, I actually like? like. I actually like. Um, in Doctor Strange, I can't remember her name. The one who calls everybody Earth Billy. Um, what's her name? Uh, I don't remember. Cat, cat girl. Chitara. Kana. Yeah. It's K A N N A. Kana. Uh, I think Kana is a great character. She's um, iconic. Um, she's, she's icon. Oh, stop it. <laughs> that was uncana. Uh, um, I, I really like her character a lot. I think she's fun. She brings an interesting perspective uh, to the Marvel Universe. I love that she's a hybrid of both magic and science. Um, yeah. I hope they keep her around. I cool. like that. I do like that as a character. Yeah. My MVP was Captain America. It was a great fucking first issue. I'm not even a huge Captain America fan. This was yeah. just written so well. It was such a good first fucking issue. I didn't even pick Astonishing. I mean, it it helps that Dazzler wasn't in it because it feels like she gonna, was. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. Um, and my fa- <laughs> I have to pick. It. I have to legally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my favorite name is Ryan Dazzler Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite thing was Ink that he died in gold. Oh, that was good. That, that was, was great. Great oh, yeah. fantasy. Give the fans what they want. Yeah. More dead ink. Yeah. More um, dead ink. Spilled ink. Spill that ink. Dead ink is Guggenheim's style of writing. True. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So, um, MVP is Captain America. Yeah. That's a book. Uh, MVP character 
is uh, from Astonishing. It's Shark Girl. What's is that her name? Yeah, it's Shark Girl. She has blood all over her mouth, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she is in a classroom. Oh god damn it! My MVP character should have been Rock Slide, being sarcastic oh, as yeah. fuck to have yeah. it. That's cool. That's awesome. You, bitch. So uh, next week uh, we're gonna have some more comic news, and then we've got Amazing Spider-Man number one, fresh start. Yeah. Uh, we have, going through the list right now, Exiles number five, which is our make it or break it issue, I think. Yeah. Uh, because it's definitely on the cusp there. Uh, we've given up reading Quicksilver, so screw that. Um, and then X-23 number one, which Ooh. I'm a little nervous about. Worried, but excited. Yeah. Nervous, and then X-Men Blue number 31, so it's not a super big week, which is, oh, oh almost forgot, New Mutants, Dead Souls number 5, yeah. which is a really fun series. I'm excited for that. That's cool, yeah. Yeah. So we've been Homo Superior. To be continued, you, 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 you.